Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Boom! I guess I like sports movies! Yeah, like real creepy like. Did you notice him with his pants down? Oh, with his pants yeah. I just noticed somebody was there. Yeah. No, his, his pants are down. He's taking it down. Is that? I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> I want to do the secret cabal stuff. I don't want. I don't want to just go oh, and drink. Still, you still got to wear a cloak and stuff. No, I no, no. I want the. Up. I want the real cabal stuff. Like I want the stuff <laughs> for controlling the world. I want the secret break. You know what? Screw that. Hi, I'm Mike Butler, and I'm Mike Field, and you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Awesome. Nice job. Nice job. So good. How many times have I heard that from you? 50? Are we... Above 50, more than Well, 50 I'm now. talking about half an hour. Oh, half an so, hour. So, yeah, yeah, no. No, we're not at 100 episodes. No, not yet. No. Shh, come on, Mike. <laughs> Get it together, man. All right. So, today we are talking about Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Now, not the books, but the movie. Obviously, you already know that because this is a movie podcast. What? I know, right? I only read the book. Oh, was well, I supposed to watch? Technically, movie? Butler, this is based. <laughs> well, technically, these are two separate books. There's one book that's called Master of Commander. There's another book that's called The Far Side of the World. But the note that I got was that pieces of this movie to come from 13 books. Ooh, exactly. Um, that I, makes it hard to do sequels. Well, they wanted to do sequels. I know they did. And I actually wouldn't. But you know what? Before we get into all that, it's 1885. Nope. Incorrect. It's 1805 <laughs> aboard the HMS Surprise. The brash Captain Jack Aubrey, played by Russell Crowe, and his trusted friend, the ship's scholarly surgeon, Stephen Moturin, or Moturin, they never say his last name, Yeah, played by Paul Bettany, are ordered to hunt down and capture a powerful French vessel off the South American coast. That is incorrect. Through, uh, excuse me, though Napoleon is winning the war, and the men of their crew face an onslaught of obstacles, including their own internal battles. Lucky Jack is determined that nothing will stop the surprise from completing its mission. That's not its mission. They, Lucky Jack makes it their mission. That is not their mission. Their mission, what, they, what were they? They were just, um, they're just on the seas. It was, no, it was to seize the Archeron, but not past um, 
not south of Brazil. They weren't, well, they weren't allowed that, to pass. So they were searching enough. for that? They were stopping the Archeron because it was carrying supplies oh, thought to be but then the Ar- for the war. But then the Archerons just started hunting them. Because they want Captain Jack as the prize, yeah. Interesting. Because right. what, what happens in the film, it devolves into this, in this captain versus captain mentality of who's going to get the prize. All right, it sounds like you're making fun of people <laughs> who break down movies. Is that you making fun of us? Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Self-depreciation is uh, the highest form of government. Well, I'm not part of that. <laughs> <laughs> so Master of Command of the Far Side of the World, that's a mouthful, has a runtime of 138 minutes. It's PG-13, production budget of $150 million. It was opening weekend, it did $25 million, domestic $93 total, and then worldwide was $211 million. But it's not really considered a financial success, uh, quite honestly. It was released on a Friday, November 14th, 2003. It's uh, distributed by 20th Century Fox, who also co-produced this movie with Miramax Films, Universal Pictures, and Samuel Goldwyn Films. Uh, they all came together for this. It came up against, on the same day, the 14th, Looney Tunes, back in action. One of Mike's favorites. Yeah. Tupac Resurrection and Love Actually. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that movie, but it plays every holiday season now. Uh, you had the week after, on the 21st, you had the Cat in the Hat, starring Mike Myers as the Cat in the Hat. Yeah. yeah, that is. Uh, you know what? I remember I was typing this info in, and I'm going, "Oh, that movie! No, no, that movie was so not not ugh. Gothica, and then a limited release, twenty one grams, and then you had the week before, which was the seventh. You actually had you had Elf, and you had Love Actually in a limited release, and then two days before that, you had The Matrix Revolutions. I'm gonna tell you right now, Elf Elf was the big one, but there's not much in Love Actually, so it's more like holiday fare. So this this movie. Could have done well. Should have. It was more of an action-y. You thought it would get some kind of adventure, I don't know, what adventure capital going in or oh. something like that. You get The Matrix. Yeah, but The Matrix is sci-fi. I mean, I'm trying to think of a movie that would be similar in tone to this movie. But I guess you're right, because that's action, so that makes that makes a little bit more yeah, sense. This is the only real Oscar fair you have, right? Right now. Well, I think 21 Grams was meant to, was was the kind of the start of maybe the Oscar movies coming in November because right. that was a big one that year. So directed by Peter Weir. Uh, he also wrote this with John Colley. Uh, Peter Weir has won, excuse me, he has been nominated for an Oscar for the Truman Show for director, the Dead Poet Society, and then Witness. He also was nominated as a writer for a green card. He did the story for Gallipoli and The Way Back. He wrote The Way Back, excuse me, he didn't do the story. Not The Way Back that is with Ben Affleck. That's called The Way Back? Uh, I believe so, yeah. This is The Way Back that is with Steve Carell when he's the stepfather uh it's like a but a young boy's coming of age i think i've talked about it before on the podcast john collie has written happy feet and oh he's been one of the writers on happy feet and he was one of the writers on hotel mumbai more recently this is based on a series of books 20 novels actually that center around the two main characters captain jack and steven the uh surgeon the, the uh, scholarly surgeon as it's known in the uh, synopsis um, <laughs> the naturalist right the first book in that series is called master and commander and then I, there's a bunch of tons out there just about their adventures and stuff like that that is written by patrick o'brien uh, a uh, british author cinematography by russell boyd uh he has done crocodile dundee tin cup and white men can't jump composers has three composers here the, they're all listed as composers, but I think they did different things. They actually brought, so basically Richard Tognetti was the main composer, I think, and he's done a lot more documentary work. Then Christopher Gordon uh, was another listed composer. He has done, he has been the conductor of orchestras that are doing the movie scores for movies such as Moulin Rouge and Lego Batman. Okay. And then they brought in, I'm going to say his name wrong, Iva, Iva Davies. 
He is the lead singer of the Australian band Ice House, and he has done uh, the uh, he did the song for Space Jam. So no. <laughs> I like Space Jam. There you go. Uh, edited by Lee Smith, who has uh, won the Oscar for editing on Dunkirk, and he was nominated for The Dark Knight. He was also he also did 1917, which we both love, and RoboCop 2, to give you something a little different. Yeah. <laughs> Produced by a bunch of people, but uh, right off the top, you got Samuel Goldwyn Jr. and Duncan Henderson. Goldwyn has done Mystic Pizza, The Program, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. He, he has passed away uh, about five years ago, 2015. And Henderson has done Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Space Jam, a new legacy that's coming out, the new one with LeBron James, and then the movie Oblivion, which we both like as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, let me run down the cast a little bit. Uh, Russell Crowe as Captain Jack Aubrey. He's won the Oscar for Gladiator. He was nominated for A Beautiful Mind, The Insider. He's also in The Cinderella Man. Excuse me, Cinderella Man. Paul Bettany as Dr. Stephen Maturin. If I said that wrong again, I apologize. He is in A Knight's Tale, Wimbledon, and Solo, A Star Wars Story, amongst other things. I'm not going to mention that he was Jarvis or Vision. But Russell Crowe, you missed uh, Nice Guys. Oh, shoot. Right. Nice, plug nice for Guys. Past 310 to Yuma. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. 310 to Yuma, Nice Guys, both episodes, season three, I believe. I don't know what season. I can't remember. I kind of, sh- when I do the actors, I try to shade towards the stuff they've been nominated for sometimes. I'm sorry. I apologize. Shade toward shameless plugs <laughs> james darcy as the first lieutenant tom pullings he's in cloud atlas let's be cops and dunkirk chris larkin is captain howard he's in valkyrie mr butler hey, season one season one official secrets and tea with mussolini official secrets is more is the newest one that came out last year robert Pugh as mr allen uh, he's in robin hood the russell crowe robin hood enigma and the englishman went up a hill but came down a mountain do you ever see that one no it's not bad max bennett or Benitz, and it's Kalami or Kalami. I can't say his name. He's in the Water Diviner. Uh, Max Perkis is Blakeney. He's the young kid that loses his arm in the movie. He is in the TV show Rome, and he actually does a lot more stuff on the business side of things. He's more of a, uh, a buyer or something like that, or film buyer. He's yeah, or film sales or something like that. Richard McCabe as Mr. Higgins. He's from 1917. He's also in the TV show Wallander and the movie Notting Hill. And then Billy Boyd as Barnett Bondin, and you all know him as Pippin from Lord of the Rings, and that's the only thing I'm going to put down here. I will say this before we get into the stuff with the movie, Butler. This movie has been nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Ready? Go. Best picture, best director, best art direction, best costume design, best film editing, best makeup, best sound mixing, and best visual effects. Now, that's eight because it won two of the Academy Awards it was nominated for, which is best cinematography, which was Russell Boyd. And then best sound editing. So yeah, it deserved all those nominations. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you haven't guessed it already, we kind of like this movie. I will say this before we start. Before you start telling me stuff about it, Butler, <laughs> is that I I watched this movie in the theater mm-hmm. and I liked it, but I couldn't remember a ton, I couldn't remember anything about this movie in terms of how it ended. Uh, I remembered certain parts. We talked about this briefly. Before the podcast started uh, yesterday, actually, um, about I remember them going to the Galapagos Islands. I remember them getting off because I, I remember uh, the surgeon getting shot. I remember all that. Like, I remember little things. You remember the dude just jumping off and killing himself, Hollum. Uh, but I don't remember. I just the entire final battle scene. Eh, I completely didn't remember. Yeah, I remember the island. I remember the initial attack. I remember the decoy boat. And that's all I remember. The decoy back end that they did. Yeah. I didn't remember it. But then when they did it, I was like, okay, this is familiar. I remembered the very end when the captain, when they realized the captain isn't really the captain. I didn't remember. I forgot that too. I was like, 
that's not the fucking cat. I remember that's <laughs> not the doctor. So I'm like, I was like, yes. And I wrote down that note. Oh, I, I remembered something. Yeah. But yeah. What's weird is I don't like the island parts. And really? It's weird that that's what I remember the most. You don't. Well, they don't. They're not there that long. I think they're there for too long. Really? I think I like it. It's interesting. I like seeing all the animals. It's very nature documentary, but it's also very slow. It's very self-indulgent and it's very masterpiece theater. Oh, I don't <laughs> see. see. I think if you want to make this more accessible, if you want this movie to make a little bit more money, you need to make a slightly tighter film. And it is a pretty tight film. I always th thought of it was like a three hour, three and a half hour film. It's really not it's just a little over two hours. But you cut off that some of the island stuff down a little bit and you can cut it down quite a ways. Well, they only go to the island to, to to have the surgery. Have the surgery. Right. But then there's all of him exploring and picking up all the nature stuff. And But you have to remember that the books in this movie are about those two and their relationship, even though the movie doesn't do it as much. So well, the movie still does it a decent amount. Yeah. You get that that's still the crux of okay. a lot of the, the bigger relationship in the film. But I don't know. Well, see, I had a different reaction because I remember watching this movie and then I remember saying to my <clears throat> excuse me. I remember saying to myself that, oh, I like that movie, but I always felt that I was bored. But when I watched it again the second time, I was not bored. I actually liked it quite a quite a bit more than I did before. Um, so I had a different reaction. I did not think that slowed the movie down at all. I no no, no 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 no. I said it slowed the movie down, but that does not affect the like the fact that I really love this movie. Mm -hmm. I put this on the list. I remember liking this movie, but I had the same reaction. Remember, like I said, I thought it was three and a half hours long. I thought it was a very long movie. Watching this again, though, I was enthralled the whole time. I was like, this movie is like one of my notes is just this movie's fucking awesome. Yeah, like, I just it's really, really good. Well, the two naval fights are are really good. The opening and the ending um, are 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 um, I'm really good. I will say that it, it 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 does it doesn't drag, but the Hollum stuff. So there's a character in this in the movie and you might remember him who the crew doesn't like him. They think he brings the curse. He, he they call him the jinx. Yeah, yeah, they think he's the jinx. And and he he's not a good he's not a good leader he just wants to be liked and you know there's a part where they're all singing like and he starts trying this like operatic song with them and they're like don't sing our song like, yeah which, which i can understand because when you don't like somebody and they sing the song that you're singing they kind of hurt you know get you upset so but the, but the only thing with that stuff is they set that up and then we don't hear about it for 30 to 40 minutes until later uh, you know what i mean like they yeah. have so it's and I'm not saying that they should they should have shoved it in there. I'm just noticing that they kind of go back around to it as if like that's been festering this whole time. Yeah, I think it just kind of boils around like he saw the ship first. So they think he's bringing what they call an archer on. They call it the ghost at mm -hmm. that point. And then he, along with Jack, cut the ropes that kills one of their their crewmates, kills one of the guy's brothers. Right. Will it Willoughby, right? Who's the guy? Who uh, the yeah, Willoughby, Willoughby, the guy that was that drew the boat out of from memory that drew the Artron from right. memory because he saw somebody. Yeah. So he's the one that cut that. And so that upsets them. But then, you know, when it boils over at that point when they're in the heat and there's no rain and it's just like, all right, we're really are cursed that it's, it's gotta be this guy. Well, yeah, because they, they're going to look for a scapegoat. His friend is one that kind of, um, perpetuates that. And then the old man starts to the guy that they put the nickel in the, the half lobotomy. Yeah. yeah. And, and he starts, uh, they start saying, and then he bumps into Hollum. And then he gets whipped because of that. So that just kind of like seeds that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I didn't catch this, but I when I was looking in the notes. So after Hollum, you know, kills himself and they do a little memorial, uh, the 
I don't know if it was the Seward or one of the guys gives him the Bible, gives Jack the Bible. Right. And he, he points to the Jonah text and the Jonah text is in the Bible is supposed to be about somebody who has um, has uh, failed their duty in terms of everyone else like that. Oh, okay. And that's why he shuts the Bible because he's not going to read that. Because yeah. I, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. because you could take that both. You could take that many ways. You could say that he did. You know, he maybe Jack felt that he failed Hollum. Maybe that. You know, he felt that it was, you know, it, it shouldn't have ended that way. He should have done more of that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, I thought that was good. I think his speech makes it seem like, yeah, Holland wasn't the best, but you guys are also to blame. Like what you did. Yeah, we, everyone takes a, has yeah. to be accountable for that. He should have forgiveness for what he did and you need forgiveness for what you caused. Right, right. But you, I mean, that's not going to happen. So that, they, yeah. they get what's coming to them at the end. Well, to that, <laughs> to that point, though, is when the doctor gets shot, Mm-hmm. And he's looking at the bird and the, the cap shoots him. Now, I get it. It's a mistake. But, like, shouldn't he be punished? Well, I thought that, too. But also, he's a Marine. He's the head of the Royal Marines. Yes. So I don't think the captain can. And this is where I'm going. I'm going to do a little Star Trek connection. Because this is basically yeah. both Star Trek. But in Star Trek Enterprise, which usually kind of copies, like, the Navy rules. Well, I will tell you this. And you should probably know this. Is the whole Star Trek franchise is based on the Horatio Hornblower novels. Yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, and in Star Trek Enterprise, uh, in one of the seasons, they go to war. And so they have a contingent of Marines on their ship. And the captain can't do anything about the Marines. He really has no control over what the Marines do. And the Marines can't really tell the captain where to go. Okay. So they have like this kind of contemptuous relationship. Yeah. yeah. So my thought is, well, the, A, I don't know what the guy's rank was that shot him. Did they ever say the guy? The guy he was the head of the he was the head of the, the Marine Corps. Yeah, I just Marines. don't remember what his rank was. Oh, it's uh, it's Captain. I think. Hang on, Captain. I think I said it because he's in. Yeah, it's Captain Howard. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when the captain shoots him, obviously he feels bad about it. Yeah, it no, no. But also, I don't think the captain can discipline him. He maybe note it in the log and see what the Marines want to do later on. Right. Right. Okay. Well, what happens if you have a captain that's you know what happens if you have somebody who's direct dereliction of their duty in terms of the 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 leader of the Marines. Or what happens if you have a Marine that's underneath the captain that is terrorizing the crew, but the captain's going to do nothing about it? What's the captain of a starship supposed to do? I guess he can put him in the brig, but okay. it's going to be contemptuous. Gotcha. Be, but if he's messing with his crew, right. then that's all of a sudden, now that's the captain's problem. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but so, he also needs the Marine still to fight the Archer on at that point. So Right. So we mentioned I mentioned briefly that this is based upon like, this is based on two books. But they take pieces from 13 books to kind of like put in there. But the, the I'm not going to go into every single what they take. But I will say this, that this the book is set in 1812. But this movie is put in 1805 because they didn't because the enemy in the book that, that they were copying, the, the enemy in the book of the ship that was chasing down Captain Jekyll, who's trying to capture it, was actually a United States ship. And they didn't want to, they were afraid of making the U.S. the bad guy in this for fear because of just money purposes in terms of uh, getting their money back at the box office. It wouldn't do well in the U.S. So they made the enemy France during Napoleon, Napoleonic times. And that's why I made it turn 1805. I don't know if you knew that. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd have liked it quite as much if they're hunting an American ship. I don't, why would that bother but you? I don't know. That wouldn't bother me. Yeah. I just think it's more interesting that it's Napoleon. Right. But I do think it's also interesting that the ship was built, the Artron is actually built in America, in Boston, yes. during the quote-unquote peacetime. So I was like, so peacetime for who? Peacetime for the British or peacetime with France? Was America at war with France? I'd- well, America's at war with France in, in uh, 
the, the French and Indian War. The French Indian War. But that, that's already how 1790, yeah. I believe. That's after obviously the Revolutionary War. As far as I know, America had a decent relationship with Napoleon. They bought a ton of land so that Napoleon could fund his wars. Yeah. Well, you have to understand. Yeah, back so then, they're all there's truth, yeah. there's truces, and there's there's you know people siding with friends all the time. Different. That, that's something I was interested in because I was like, wow, I really don't know much about relationship between France and uh, America during Napoleon's times. Take your history. Come on, man. <laughs> um yeah so well obviously u.s and the british were on opposite sides in 1812 well yeah well the war of 1812 <laughs> <laughs> uh the the um the actors had to do a two-week boot camp to learn how to turn learn ropes and learn how to what to do aboard a frigate and how to load and fire cannons and sword skills that sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather do that kind of boot camp or a boot camp like they used they did in Saving Private Ryan, where you had to do World War II stuff? Oh man, both would be pretty cool. Right. I think the Master and Commander one would be most interesting. Yeah, World War II one. While it's while it's interesting, it's like you're playing war, and it, it, there's like there's that kind of feeling that you're phony because you're trying. You know what I mean? Like you're right. You're you're learning stuff, and it might you don't. Yeah, it could be a fun time, but you really shouldn't be having fun because it's a lot of people died. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's also a lot of stuff that World War II is and boot camps is still more modern. Yeah, so it's true. like a lot of push ups, a lot of like running in formation. Sure, I can pretend to do that whenever I want and just kind of copy it if yeah. I want. No, but I'm not building the 1800 sea vessel in my backyard. Well, that's the thing. They they, they <laughs> shot this. So this this shooting was 100 days at Baja Studios in Mexico because they had a replica of this ship on a gimbal that they just basically used. And then it was 10 days at sea. So they're running up, they're going up and down all the ropes and stuff like that. And they're, they're kind of like letting the sails come down. They're doing all that stuff. But that's obviously on a giant gimbal replica, which is probably better than being on the sea. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. There's one shot where they've got a Captain Jack and... Captain Jack will catch you. <laughs> okay, well, we had to do it once. Captain Jack and Tom Pullings are up on the mast, up on the top mast, looking out at the sea. And it's, it must be a drone shot or some kind of cool crane shot or helicopter shot. It's not shot. a drone shot, it's not but a yeah. Drone shot. <laughs> it's probably a helicopter shot. But they come up the mast, see them both in a close-up shot, and then pull out. Or is that? Did you find out if that was actually them on the mast? Or is that officially like, uh, put in? No, I did not. I didn't know. Because I was like, that's impressive. Did it look, well, I will tell it you. It looked that, like they were up there. Then they probably were up there because... There are a couple shots in this movie where the green screen, you can tell. And I was like, it's, it, it, I was almost like, is 2003 or 2002 green screen not that good back then? Or that editing software? Because there's a point where they're, so after, let me, you know what? I actually have it. After they trade with the villagers that come out and they're trading all the yep. food and they have, a, they have that big meal. They're sitting in his quarters having that big meal. And there's a wide shot. There's a long shot. And, Kat, and Jack is at the back like of the shot and he's holding his glass and you see like, it's just a long shot. Right. The background is totally fake. Oh, really? And he doesn't even look like he's there. Like, it's almost like they had to put him in there into the shot. It was weird. It's a weird looking shot. And they go really? to it a couple times and I'm just watching it going. That's that something's off with this shot. Either he's not there with them. The, the background's definitely not there with them, but it just he his lighting looked weird. And then they go back out after that. They go outside because they're having like a cordial. Yeah. And everyone's all the crews out there and they have a shot up again, looking up in the, in the crow's nest. And there's two of the lieutenants sitting up there, two of the kids mm -hmm. looking down and they like one of the it's completely like they they're supposed to be blue moonlight. It's supposed to be like that kind of thing. Yeah. But they look white like they're like completely not there at all. And and so there was a couple shot. There was a couple shots where 
this the green screen stood out. So if it did, if it looked good to you, then it's probably all right. Yeah, I I didn't really notice it. I I wasn't paying attention to the background in that scene. There were two shots I wasn't a big fan of in the film. One of them comes when they're in the fog the second time, and it's very dark. There's a shot that cuts to both Jack and Tom Pullings, and I think someone else, all with periscopes, and they're looking around. Yeah, okay. Just one cut, and it kind of pans out, I believe, a little bit. Okay. And it's so grainy. Okay. Like, it looks like they almost lost that bit of footage. I don't know if you noticed it. I did not notice that. The whole but film that, was a little grainy. I some of like, it is. I was like, that can't. They can't clean this up. Let's get an. Let's get a remaster of this. Do they? Is it on Blu-ray? I would hope so, but I don't know. We watched this on Hulu. We did watch this on Hulu, and I don't think Hulu offers because I I have the 4K. I don't think Hulu offers a 4K version, do they? No, no. So just, hey, this is what you get. Yeah, but I did notice a lot of the film was grainy, but that one shot in particular, and I don't know if it was because of the lighting, but then they they have a, quite a few scenes in that same bluish dark gray lighting with the fog. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is very similar to the beginning of the Pirates of the Caribbean movie where it was all fog. So I was like, and that wasn't too long after that. True. So I was like, why is this one shot super grainy? So I had a problem with that. And then the scene where they build the decoy back end of the boat, yep. which I love that scene, is way too is way too well lit for me. And it kind of <laughs> threw me off. I was like, there are definitely studio lights. I mean, all these lanterns around them, they couldn't just go, let's go natural lighting or Let's increase these reds a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they're all lit with these bright white lights and it's just silhouetted across the black. And it kind of was like, Ugh, I don't really like that. I like the shot of what was clearly a CGI archer on shooting the decoy from a distance, though. And you see it lit up by the cannon fire. Okay. I thought that was cool. But that one night shot was just way too lit by spotlight for me. Okay. I, that's. But I didn't notice any green screen. Stuff no, yeah. Itself. Well, so I was, lo- while you were doing, I was just looking up stuff. Um, so basically, there is. Let's see what year is this? No, yep. There's there is a 4K Blu-ray version of this movie out. So, you know, no, seriously, (laughs) like you honestly want to? I'd love to catch it and see how how much better it looks. Right. You know what I mean? See, like what's maybe they cleaned it up a bit. This is a very cinematic movie, and I think it would look really nice all cleaned up. You imagine that? Yeah, it would. It would definitely. It's such a now a lot of the long shot, a lot of the shots with the two boats and. A lot of the shots just with the boat action. Those are all miniatures. I'm pretty sure they did. That's that's being done at the Weta workshop in New Zealand and did five weeks of that. So they're doing all that. I don't mind that. I don't you know, that that looks great. No, you I could, love miniature. Yeah, it looks great. It's 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 just and even and all those scenes are good. Like the whole stuff where they're pretending to be whalers and he's sitting there and they're just like all standing and they're coming close. And he just screams like, let's go. And then just start going. And that's awesome. All that stuff is awesome. The whole attack, the whole like kind of like reveal or turnaround on the Ertron in terms of, of catching them by surprise is really well done. Can you imagine how long repainting that whole ship would have must have taken? I, every time every time that they, they had the, the first fight, the first battle, and they're like next next thing you know, they're all hanging along the side, they're, they're all doing stuff. Repair, yeah. All I'm thinking is like, where are they getting all this like stuff from? Is there just stuff in the hole like just buried? Like, okay, this is the paint we gotta use. Extra and, stuff on the ship, probably wood that they pulled off of a section they don't need. Well, they would have to stop. Like he makes mention of the fact that he wants to fix a new mass. And he's like, I know that you can do it. I'm paraphrasing. Right. But we don't have time to stop and go get like they were just going to go make their own mass. Yeah. We yeah. just got to do what we can with what we have. Right. Absolutely. Which is really cool. Yeah. No, I, I'm going to want two things here. Well, one thing I would not last. I, I cannot. <laughs> I would not last on a boat. I would not do a boat. I'm not a seaman. I would not do any of that stuff. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Back then, it was the only way to actually like see the world. Hometown. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, and life was just more dangerous 
back then. Yeah. Like you look at it now, and you're like, oh, I would never do that. But it's like, yeah, but you're gonna die no matter where you are back then. So you might. Well, as that's well. the only. Way. No, I, you're you're right. That's the only way to travel. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I get that. Yeah, get your sea legs, Mr. Field. No thanks. <laughs> I have no sea legs. They are they were they are not here. I like boats. I've always liked boats. Uh, I haven't been on many boats, but boats I like them. And I always really like, like we live near Mystic sure. uh, here in Connecticut, and they have this nice, huge seaport where you get to see all the old vessels and you see people go up and do the sails. And they do demonstrations. And I've always been really interested in that. So why don't you ever do it? It's just too complicated. Well, I mean, like, go, listen, I'll go on the boat, but I will not go yeah. on the boat when it's on sea. Like, I'm okay with boats if I'm outside. Once I get inside a boat and it's, it's on the water, Forget oh, really? it. Forget, no, no I, I'll get seasick. I don't get seasick. Oh, yeah, I will. So, Absolutely get it. But I've always wanted, because they do take some of those boats out every once in a while. You can buy tickets to just, sure. you know, take a loop around. Well, I've, I, I would do that. I know. I'd, have, that, to, I'd awesome. have to swallow like three Dramamine pills to go on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So when they went on the boat for 10 days, I guess the one note I kept seeing was that everyone got sick except Paul Bettany. <laughs> because he was part of, I guess he like he learned how to be a like, he was in like the young sea people or something like he would like he did like a, a uh, class thing, when yeah. he was younger he did all that stuff so but everyone else did so I thought that was interesting because uh, in the movie he's the one his character in the book more so but in the movie is somebody who's more they call it quote unquote a landlubber like he doesn't know anything about ships so he even asked right. Jack in the beginning like what does that mean again like yeah, he says that at dinner when he makes a nautical joke he goes this must be some amazing nautical joke I'm just not getting <laughs> yeah like he doesn't know anything about names so I thought that was which there's a lot of which I didn't catch I maybe the first time around there's a lot of like humor in this movie like a lot of just oh yeah like, for which sure. is which is nice even the ending when they turn around and he's like no I, the doctors died of fever five months ago <laughs> he's just like oh. <laughs> No, but he gave me his. Uh, I guess I'm not going to the islands. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was good too. The lesser of two weevils was good when yep. he's just all drunk. Yep, yep, <laughs> that was funny. No, the the dialogue is great. The relationship between Aubrey and Maturin, the just yeah, Jack and Stephen, Stephen. Are, are are fantastic. It, it really is like a Kirk and Bones kind of thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the whole movie hinges on that. This kind of like, it's not a homosexual relationship but it's like deeper it's like a deep deep friendship sure and it's kind of like how you see in like the sherlock holmes movies with robert Downey jr and jude law or you know riggs and murtaugh like this this deep deep bond it's yeah it's a friendship bill and ted <laughs> sure absolutely but it's i'm it's, glad that you didn't include us there nice job <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's like he Jack really depends on Stephen's advice and Stephen's knowledge of like what the crew thinks of him and what he would do, you know, as a non-naval officer. And he really appreciates the the friendship that they have. And everything. Even yeah. when they fight and they don't get, you know, it's still you still they, there's no you don't see the reconciliation in terms of when they argue. But it's right. There's no there's no it's no big like, oh, I don't. We're not, we, you know, we'll never be friends room. again. Right. Although the doctor doesn't go to dinner with him for quite a few. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's, but that's kind of like, that's almost like their relationship. Like, and right. he knows, he knows that he, you get the sense that Jack knows that he hurt him and he doesn't want to do that. And then you see like the real pain in his face when he gets shot and he's like, he's going to take him off the island. Like he's going to take care of him, that kind of yeah. stuff. Do you catch the archer on or do you save your friend? Right. And he says to him, you know, I can't, uh, you know, I can't repay you. I have to, you know, I'm sorry. He's like, don't Name worry. Exactly. Me, yeah. and so you understand that. No, absolutely. But at the same time, Jack has already gone past his orders because he wasn't supposed to go past Brazil. So, 
but I think that's a, I think he, as he said, that's the expectation of Captain Jack or Lucky Jack, as yeah, they call him. Yeah, he can't lose. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I will to to just to belabor that point again. This is a perfect example of it's a big movie, hundred fifty dollar million dollar movie, and it's a huge adventure film. But it all boils down to your character work, mm-hmm. and you like you know what I mean, like the work that they put in to kind of make you you know get it dig on the characters and and like what you're seeing to make you love the movie more that's what i really love about the movie is they take this 1805 movie that's very it's it's not a pirate movie these are these are officers these are gentlemen almost so this is a movie that could easily have been super boring in the way they portrayed their characters right very staunch and whatever and between jack and steven and pullings and you know the kid like calamy Blakeney. That's the, the kid. Is the kid that lost the arm, right? Which we haven't talked about yet. But those, like those characters, are really well done and really relatable. Even though they're not talking out of term, they're not talking in, you know, too modern of speak. You know, they're not like talking like it's eighteen oh five, so they're not talking like Shakespeare. But you know, their dialogue is really good. Like when he finds the boat, yeah. the model boat, and he's what a mod- fascinating modern age we live in. And <laughs> it's like, thank God for Wally and his second cousin. <clears throat> yep. To wives and sweethearts, may they never meet the lesser of two weevils, and they start laughing. The stupid Jello mold oh, that they God, made with that, the what, was that Jello? Was that pudding? It's chocolate pudding and Jello. But I was like, how much Ugh, do they have on the ship? Please. And they really had that I, back then. I don't want to know what they're making. I don't. I have no idea. Want to know what, how they're making all that food? I can uh, see pudding, but uh, Jello, I was surprised. All, with all I think about now is because I watched the. Uh, I read the book too. The the sh- the show when they go to the the Arctic. And they get hunted by that creature, oh, the terror. Terror, yeah. Because in the terror, uh, they start getting sick. People, people start getting disease and sick because they are eating cans that have botulism. They're, they're right. I just, I just remember like how they're packaging the can. The guys just, just feed them. They're just taking out. It's like, oh my god, how could you just eat any of that? Well, on the HMS surprise, I was surprised. <laughs> pun intended. All the livestock that they have on the ship. I noticed yeah, at the beginning. They have the cows. They have the goats. I love when they do the shot with the cannons at the beginning. Chickens. Cannon fire going and the, the cows are just watching like, yeah. get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they let the goats roam free on the deck when they're just repairing the ship and yep. they put them back. The chickens with the eggs. Yep. Like, so they must not. The cans must be like a last resort. But that's not is that, the fish. That's not for meat, though. That's for milk, right? I would assume they do the stuff like the chicken, the goats, the cows. It's stuff that they can keep. Yeah, because chicken for the eggs. Yeah, I would imagine the milk for some kind of grog type. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're fishing, they clearly fish. Yep. And then they buy chickens and trade the uh, Brazilians. Yeah, Yeah. and they trade stuff with them. I assume they're Brazilians at that point. Uh, After that, well, they're in South America, so they're they're by Chile. They're by that. So they're the well, I and I know that because (laughs) so when they were shooting this, when they were in pre-production to do this movie, they um, a replica of the HMS endeavor was actually in real life circumnavigating the globe and they were about to go around the bottom of south america the same path that the surprise was supposed to be taking so they flew two cameramen there onto the boat to shoot uh that happening with the crew members in costumes as they're going around the bottom of south america yeah so i thought that was interesting too i think i remember the endeavor because i think that came up to mystic at some point okay yeah. Yeah. yeah because we keep talking about star trek like I wouldn't mind if they took this series and put it in space and took the 20 novels and kind of either took a bunch of, and, and did like a show 
or did like a movie series or something like that. It was called the original series. Only no, no, that's based on Horatio Hornblower. That's not yeah. based on this. That's what I'm saying. You actually take so, these characters' so names. Similar. Well, screw that. Well, you want to take their names? Why not? Yeah, you could do that. I mean, Captain Jack is so close to Kirk, though, including he doesn't lose. True. When if like later on down the line, you know they're going to do another Captain Kirk series True. at some point. Adapt a couple of these into episodes or yeah. two-part episodes. Base them on there or something. Yeah. yeah, okay. Because that was one of the things is that I have here is that it's very close to the original Star Trek episode from the original series, uh, Balance of Terror, which is the very first episode you meet the Romulans. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that episode. Or I don't. The old I have not watched a lot of the old series. So this episode is basically like the reason everyone compares Star Trek to submarine or naval warfare. They're fighting the Romulans. They haven't seen a Romulan yet. They've only ever fought a long distance war. And they're finally fighting a Romulan ship and they're fighting kind of blind. Right. So it's very much like a, a naval submarine battle. Okay. But that's a lot of what I get from like Kirk's ship gets damaged. He has to repair it and then go after the Romulan ship gets damaged and they're going back and forth. Is very much like this. And Captain Kirk's like, I got to get this one captain. Right. And prove that I was the first one basically to ever get a Romulan. <laughs> um, and I got a lot of vibes from that. So it, even when I first watched it, the one thing I always got from it was like it was like Star Trek 500 years in the past, <laughs> like Star Trek BC kind of. Nice. Uh, but that's one of the things I really loved about the movie. That is the reason I put it on the uh, the list. Nice. But yeah, if you brought this over and made some Star Trek episodes out of this, it'd be awesome. Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, in the movie, Russell Crowe and oh, excuse me, Captain Jack and uh, <laughs> surgical <laughs> scholarly surgeon Stephen. Uh, l- play cello and piano, uh, cello and violin together. Yes, they actually both learned how to play that for the movie. I figured because I was trying to watch their fingers to see if they match. Well, I think that they dub them over with somebody else, but um, the notes match. What yeah, Cro- Crow's quoted as saying that it's the hardest thing he's ever done for a film was to learn how to play violin. And I think Bentley learned how to play cello because probably Crow's. Like, oh, you learn how to play violin? Crap. All right, fine. <laughs> I do like their their cello and violin playing. And would you like to go heavier and harder? And it's like. <laughs> It's violin music. It's like yeah. that's like the rock and roll from the time. But I do like how he turns it around and uses it as a guitar. Yeah, yeah. I also I is because that's that's basically that's his quarters, right? That's his room. That's the captain's quarters. But right? I love when they're training on to do the, oh, the, the cannon, cannon and he's like, and it makes it one second. Good joy. What do we have for dinner? Great. And then he walks and you see all the they're moving the doors to make it his cabin. And you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's almost it was really cool. I had always wondered that. I thought that was its own. The cannon deck was its own deck, but. Is that like the crew quarters in the eating lounge and they just rearrange the walls? Uh, to make well, he's better? on the back of the ship. I think the crew quarters are lower, lower below the cannons. But they have a lot of walls. It's like they were building more rooms than just the one. No, but like I think what happens is they open everything up. Oh, once yeah. It's they done put and the then wall, they, slide them yeah, back into place. Right. I just but thought yeah, that's interesting. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also love the kitchen area, which was really cool. So yeah. I've never really seen that in a movie that takes place on a ship mm-hmm. with the huge metal just oven yep. in this boat which i assume must be when they turned it into the whaling vessel where the smoke came from yeah they probably they made it up uh, because they didn't smoke. show that but i was like how do they have that much smoke coming out yeah and when he's making toasted cheese for his uh that's what he's making every time yeah. he opens up that silver. it's coming i <laughs> 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 he's like he's like no, no no we're gonna have the bourbon or we're gonna have and he was like i was saving that for uh i guess we'll drink wine all right yeah oh yeah the extra when they give him the ship so it was extra grog yes yes yeah Extra ration of grog, yeah. I was going to have that grog. Well, you'll drink wine instead. I'll drink wine instead. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are all getting trashed, too. I I was a little... Because I don't know, obviously, about the... 
the hierarchy in terms of captains and lieutenants, but like all the kids were lieutenants. Right. right. They were officers in training. Okay. So that's so basically they're training to become what uh pullings is gonna is basically. They're 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 not training to become captains, they're training to become, you know, first lieutenants and no, stuff. No, they're like that. they're gonna all be captains. Be captains one day. Right. They're gonna try to go up the rank. That's what I'm saying. Right. Like, they're not their next step isn't captain. It's, it's I don't think their next step is pullings. It's Hollum. Is that their next I step? I think the next step is like Hollum and then from there it's pulling. But Hollum like was one of them. Because I'm pretty sure Holland was with he was with them in the quarters and stuff, yeah. but I think he was a rank above them. Okay, that's why when it was his when they he spotted the ship at the beginning, mm -hmm. it's like you have to you're the whatever, you have to give the order. Yeah, and then the kid gave the order instead. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting that like these 12, 13 year olds are like giving orders to these like men. grizzly like like 30, 40, 50, 60 year old men. Right, like get. Get going, fire those like. Well, some of the guys, awesome. some of the men are like, quote unquote, they're not the high intelligence. You can tell, like the guy, the kid that the guy that helps him sew up Charlie, whatever it's called, so Charlie was Charlie dies. Yeah, uh, you know, um, like you can tell he's like a little. That's Patrick Gallagher. Okay, and Patrick Gallagher played the main villain in Ghost of Tsushima, oh. which just came out on uh, PlayStation. Okay, number one, I don't care about that. <laughs> I just think it's interesting. Like that guy has played like so many like. He's been a background character in a lot of things that you see, but he always plays like I think he's American, but he also plays British. But then he played Attila the Hun in Night at the Museum. Well, you gotta go. Now, you gotta go where the money is. This uh, Mongol warrior in this game. Yeah. And now he's this British shipman in this. I was like, that's interesting. It's good when you have like such an interesting face. I guess like look. he's just an interesting look, and, you, like, and you're able you're able to do you're a chameleon. Yeah. Yeah. Be whatever be, that we need you to do this this time. Absolutely. I think that's really cool. Right, right. No, no, absolutely. We haven't talked about Blakeney with the the kid losing his arm. <laughs> that was real quick. I'll tell you that. That's the quick. I didn't realize problem. that was his bone coming out. I thought that was just the wood sticking into his bone. Oh, that's I what don't that know. Was? He said he broke his arm. Yeah. So maybe it was wood. I thought it was wood, and he broke his arm. Yeah, and then when he got infected, and they cut it, and that, that's a tough scene because it's just like. Ugh. So I, quick though, but I'm glad they didn't like because they always want to do this. They oh, I, what was the movie I just watched where they they cut off? Oh, Revolution. <laughs> There's a scene where they're cutting off a kid's arm, but like it, they always get the rusty hacksaw and they're just like, oh, and it's like I get it, but like I'm glad they didn't. You know, it was more, I guess, surgical than it was. Yeah. just kind of like I didn't even yeah because they always use that hacksaw. I didn't know what they were doing at first. Yeah, I was like, wait. Is he chopping off the arm? Or is he bleeding him? Oh, yeah, I wasn't that sure. That arm was going. But yeah. I, what I wanted to bring up in that scene was, uh, Crow comes in with the book, and he but he comes in to see him. But he's got I, I don't know if you caught this, but he had this like look on his face, and I couldn't really decipher what if it was it was definite awkwardness. But if he felt responsible, if he felt bad, if he like you know what I mean, like he just couldn't handle it because he doesn't know how to handle something like that with a child. It looks like he's got what I really like about Jack is he's definitely got a love for his crew, mm -hmm. but especially the children on his crew. Uh, he, he has a respect for them and he understands that they're going to be officers, but he also understands that they're kids and he jokes around with them and stuff like that. And he understands how tough it is. But he's also in terms of um, Blakeney. Blake, I keep saying Blakeney, Blakeney, Blakeney. Okay. Blakeney yeah. Uh, in terms of Blakeney, he knows his father and his mother. Right. So this is like. They gave him their they gave Jack their child. Yes. Under his protection. And he kind of failed the child. Well, even though he does say, you know, his father, understand, his father understand yeah, it's yeah. war, but it's yeah. the mother. But he, in fact, he is obviously a leader because you see that as he 
he leads, you know. Oh, for he, sure. He yeah. leads the man and he doesn't get down. He doesn't get depressed. And, and there, there's a really nice back and forth between him and the, and Steven where when he's upset and sad, uh, he brings the, when Steven's upset because he doesn't get to go to the Galapagos Islands. Blakeney brings him a beetle that flies onto the ship. And he's like, you know, we would never have seen this if we left. And he says, thank you. And then at the end of the movie, um, uh, Blakeney's upset because Charlie is that his friend. Right. And he's sad. And, and the doctor gives him the beetle. The beetle they start yeah. drawing. I thought that was a really nice, touching little thing. And it was like a nice, it was a nice sub arc to, a, to, to the secondary character. Like, oh, yeah. You know, and which makes you appreciate the movie even more because it's not all about Jack. It's, it's about the crew. And, right. And a lot of the people that died in the final battle had moments within the entire movie. Yep. Two out of the three kids you follow die. Yes. Yes. I was like, man, this is this is like pre Game of Thrones right here. <laughs> Anybody can die at the. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, when I first saw this movie, I, you know, I was way younger. I was probably 15, 16. So I remember thinking, ah, oh, wow, look at these these teenagers are bossing these people. And that's kind of cool. And now watching this now in my 30s. I'm like this is gross that these kids are fighting and and getting stabbed and stuff. Yeah. It, it was like, nah. There's a reason there should be age limits. Perspective changes. I got you. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I mean, oh, I wanted to bring up one thing. Uh, so we talked about Holland a little bit. He actually has the same ending in the books. He does die, but it's a different way. So in the books. He's actually murdered by the ship's gunner Horner because Horner learns that Hollum impregnated his wife, which was then given an abortion by Higgins, the surgeon's mate. So the guy in the movie yeah. that's kind of like, an, I have to read up on stuff. So it's like, I guess they were off at the Galapagos Islands and then uh, Horner murders Hollum, but nobody really cares because nobody likes Hollum. So right. it, they kind of do something a little different. Yeah, it's a little complicated <laughs> to put into this movie. I get in like a 300 page book. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also did a couple other facts that I didn't, that I wanted to bring up was, uh, so I said that the, the Peter Weir and which I want to uh, uh, get this. So Peter Weir and John Colley write this, write the script. And then Crow brings in Akiva Goldsman to polish up the script. Hmm. How do you do that? How do you take on a role? I mean, granted this is after gladiator. So the, he is he is soaring. Crow, this Crow, is L.A. Confidential. Gladiator right. Crow. Crow says he wants to do a movie. It gets greenlit at this point. This is pre Beautiful Mind or, or post. Uh, I think a Beautiful Mind was two thousand five. Okay, so this is this is basically when he's hot. Right. Yeah. Um, but still, like you're doing, where's doing the movie? He's it's his movie. He's read all the books because he's trying to research it, and he writes the scripts. And I'm not. I mean, I. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was okay. Maybe it was just kind of like, yeah, sure. No problem. Bring him on. It yeah. Maybe, but maybe it was like, Hey, we're not going to change the story, but no, I just like to punch up my dialogue. And I think Akiva really knows sure. how I talk. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe it was done more collaboratively. Though. I hope so. Like, it's just weird. I'm taking over. It just seems awkward. It is. And... It is strange, but we've had other incidents like that on Forgotten yeah. cinema, I believe. True. I can't remember the specific, which one. Yeah. But Hey, when you got that power back then. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean and the other thing I wanted to say was that this is the first movie that Peter Ware has shot uh, widescreen, 239, since he did The Year of Living Dangerously. So everything between that has been 185 flat. And I thought, which, you know what, this movie needs a scope lens, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you want it to be, you want it to feel big. You want it to feel like, because it's, it's the sea. You're on the sea the whole time. Yeah. 
when you want to feel like the old classic movies of like the 40s. Yeah. This romantic kind of look at, even though it does get ugly, it's still kind of this romantic look at naval life mm-hmm. in the 1800s. Yep. Yep. Which is like, so the HMS Surprise is 28 guns, 197 souls on their board. 97 or 47? 197 okay. souls. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that many people on the boat. And then the Archeron is even bigger at 60 guns and 400 people crammed on a boat. Oh, thanks. That's crazy. That's a pass on my boat. That's a pass. People. That's a pass. So I want to see if you caught this. When they, when it's snowing, okay, they're, uh, when yeah. there's this long, there's a shot that goes along the boat from the front to the back when it's snowing and they're about, they're heading due south. They're going to Antarctica. Right. Yep. Um, and they have this big, long shot. Did you notice the dude sitting in the, on the front of the ship? So uh, just below it, like kind of like where the anchor would be, like sitting there. Mm-hmm. Did you notice him with his yeah. pants down? Oh, with his pants down? Yeah. I just noticed somebody was there. Yeah. No, his, his pants are down. He's taking a dump? Is that, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> is that what happens? You go out there to take a crap? That or a bucket and you toss it overboard. Oh, God. It's like the kid who throws up in his top hat. Yes. I was like, I guarantee you that hat just dries the next day and he puts it right back. Oh, on. he washes it out. He probably washes it out. I don't know. <laughs> it boils it. <laughs> so, um, I guess the question I always ask, I should ask, I guess, or no? Should I ask this? Why it was forgotten. There you go. Well, I think it was forgotten because. Why do we think it's forgotten? I don't think modern audiences, and I say this all the time. They want to see Marvel movies. They want to see Fast and the Furious movies. Those are the movies that are hot right now. That's where your audience wants to go. But this movie was five years before all that started. I understand that. Okay. But now it's gone. Hey, this movie was well-reviewed. It was well-liked. Nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Deserved to win a lot more than it did. Yeah. Well, uh, it got all the, all the, not to cut you off. Yeah. All the categories that it lost to, uh, the eight categories, Lord of the Rings won. Mm, yeah. So. But, and then Pirates of the Caribbean come out, and that's kind of like now you want this fantasy voyage adventure. adventure. That's a little bit more exciting and a yeah. little bit more, yeah. Although this movie is exciting. I think a lot of people like you and I even remember it as being slower and not being quite as exciting. It's not a, it's it's a big action adventure movie, but it's not a big commercial action adventure movie like Pirates right. of the Caribbean. So it's not going to pull in, like, it's not going to pull in kids. It's not going to pull in uh preteens unless they're really interested in that kind of correct stuff. like i i remember watching this movie and loving it yeah but yeah you have to have this interest in that kind yes. of thing or yeah be a little older and appreciate the dialogue and the storyline correct i think this is actually almost this is almost a movie that is a perfect description of what the podcast is about because it's a really good movie and it's people anyone you talk to that has seen it really like it but for some reason, it didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. run. <laughs> but uh, but you should like you watched when you were younger, right? And you liked parts of it, but you watch it again, and you like even more parts because there's stuff that you now appreciate more, right? Because I remember like you even yeah, it was, oh, yeah that's a little boring. Yeah, it's not boring at all. Right, it held my attention the entire time. Yeah, and it's really it's only two hours and eighteen minutes. It's and not that. Yeah. It doesn't part, feel that. Yeah, other than that island part, which there's still cool animals in those shots. Sure, the rest of it's great dialogue mm-hmm. or really cool action with the boat stuff. Right. It's and you care about the characters. So when stuff happens, it's not like 
All right. Who is that? What's going on? And you can follow the action pretty well, right. despite how chaotic it is. They, they do a good job at letting you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's definitely a movie that you, people should revisit. It's definitely a movie that people should suggest to other people to watch because it's not. I mean, not everyone has an opinion, but I wouldn't really understand somebody who says I don't like this movie. I or I, you know what I mean? Because I, I don't know anybody who's seen this movie who has not liked. This yeah. Movie. I mean, I can I can get people that said like, oh, I liked it. I just don't think I'd watch it again. I get that. Yeah, I'm just not really into that. But I yeah. can't see somebody watch seeing this. Oh, this movie's garbage. This this is stupid. Like, it's not. It's just a well made film. Peter Ware makes 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 good films. Yeah, it's just a well made film. And it, like you said, dialogue, action. Yeah, picture. I was, was going to start listing off the things that are great about it, like yeah. cinematography. This and yeah. that, but it, it was nominated for ten Academy Yeah, you Awards. don't need to. You yeah. already listed off what was great about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right, that's good. Yeah. Watch this movie. Come on. Master Commander. Buy the 4K Blu-ray for me because I want it. Yes, let Mike borrow it. (laughs) He'll get it back to you. He promises. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. All right. So you can find us at ForgottenEntertainment.com or ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com backslash Forgotten Cinema. (laughs) Whoa. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're everywhere. We're all over the social media. Well, those three at least. Um, we do, and we do reply, we engage. So please, you know, shoot us a, shoot us a suggestion, shoot us a question, make fun of us. It's fine. We have videos every Thursday. We try to keep it light. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're around, <laughs> uh, check out our, excuse me, check us next week. Cause we are going back to the eighties, Butler back to the early eighties. So more like the late seventies, uh, I wasn't around then, man. Uh, I was I was six when this movie came out. We're watching Thief, uh, the James Conn star, Michael Mann directed Thief, nineteen eighty one. We've already done a man movie. We did we did Collateral. We did Collateral, yes. Um, and I think we've talked about Thief before on the podcast. It's possible. Yeah, I think we did. I don't know what what episode. I want to say it was when we did Sorcerer, but I don't think that was it. Listen, it's Michael Mann. I'll watch it. Yes. <laughs> so we're gonna do. We're gonna watch. We're gonna watch Thief. It's uh, and we're gonna tell you about it next week. <laughs> Um, I'm stumbling. Anything else? <laughs> I think you got it. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. This has been Forgotten Cinema. I would choose the right-hand weevil it has... Significant advantage in both length and breadth. There, I have you. You're completely dished. Do you not know that in the service, one must always choose the lesser of two weevils? <laughs> 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 <laughs>